Welcome back to another episode of the Exterminatus Podcast, all things competitive in the world of Warhammer 40,000. With me is my co-host, Ray. Hello. And of course, Robert's here as well. My face hurts. I got punched in the face by bugs. <laughs> my name is Eric. In case you've not heard the show before, we are back giving you all the news of all things competitive throughout the Warhammer 1000. We'll be talking about three large tournaments, including the proverbial World Cup of Warhammer. The WTC it was a very interesting, uh, kind of an unexpected outcome. I was really surprised and how the top five sh- shook out. But first, let's get to the new stuff that from Nottingham. Uh, we got some more Voltan stuff. We've got some more Demon uh, new stuff. Uh, what do you got? What's catching your guys' eye so far? What's been released? Well, I know I'm going to do it just to make fun of you, Eric. Escher jet bike. It's better. It's better than your Reaver jet bikes. I'm sorry. Uh, okay. So if you've seen these monstrosities, <laughs> first of all, we're a 40k podcast, so none of this deck of the crap. Right, but anyway. <laughs> In, in interest Sorry. of uh, conversion bait, no, those things are terrible. They're like a cross between a jet engine and that that like weird thing that Ray drove in uh, the Force Awakens. I mean, it, it's oh, it's terrible. <laughs> but yes, that that's the only thing I'm going to say about it. the The League of Votan stuff, I actually do like the fact that the Votan call, um, so the HQ choice, it. The article says it's going to be a humongously multi-part kit, and the pictures that they're showing off, the man is running around with a storm bolter the size of his torso. So the question came up, I was listening to another podcast, and they were talking, I guess there was a picture, and I missed it, I tried to go back and find it, where they put a League of Votan model next to a Primary Space Marine, so you could see how much smaller, because they are true-scale dwarf characters. And I'm like, how so is it that he's small or is the storm bolter that big? <laughs> well, when you actually put it into perspective, a a normal space marine, not even a primaris, is well into the upper six feet tall category. And the bullets that they fire from bolters are about the size of a soft big old nerf ball. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So I want to say there's something like seventy six caliber or something ridiculous like that. So <laughs> Yeah, like they can punch through tanks, but the when you scroll down through the article and it shows the same character with the equivalent of a power fist wearing a helmet and it has a plasma gun. Like this kit better be a hugely customizable. It does look like though you can't have a fully melee um call because you can't have a left handed axe and a right handed power fist. Ooh. Unless you tried real hard. Well, you know you say before. that, but if you look at the artwork just after the uh, the model that's got the power fist, you see artwork where he's got the power fist in one hand and the accident. Yeah, that's why I'm like, hey, can I? And also the fact that they have a ver- the helmet. It has a D. Because what, whether it be fantasy or sci-fi, would not have facial Yes, I know our friend Don will, has been ooing and aahing over these things Little by little, I have a feeling that he's going to have a Votan army for himself. I'd be more on the surprised side. if he didn't. It's going to be his guilt. Yeah, it's going to be his guilty pleasure for sure. Um, but alongside the call, we had them actually show off more of the little hover bike. Yeah, those are definitely growing on me. When they first came out, I was kind of like, eh, no, no, not really. Now I'm like, ooh, okay. I don't know why. So, so they're, they're starting to grow on me a little bit. I think the problem was is when they first showed it off, it sounded like it was going to be an individual unit model kind of like a 
land speeder. Kind of like a chaplain on, yeah, land speeder thing. But this one is showing them as a three-body unit with some, like, one single heavy weapon amongst them and a whole bunch of big pistols. So, yeah, maybe they'll be a little bit slower than Eldar bikes, but have a whole lot more guns, though. Yeah, that'd be kind of cool, actually. I think you hit it at the, uh, was it the Outrider bikes that the Primaris ride? Something close to that type of profile. That'd be pretty wild. Yeah, because looking at the sculpts, they have a a front-mounted gun of a kind. All of them have the equivalent of what, like, 12-gauge shotguns as pistols. The the sergeant actually has a revolver along with a turret-mounted either assault cannon or something else. I forgot what the article said. I'm not going to take the time to try and find it. But yeah, I think it's a very interesting weapons. And I think, uh, as I've heard and a few other people point out, it's they they're not they're not really a part of the imperial so they're they're kind of doing their own thing so they they've got a couple weapons out there that the admec are just like can i get one of those <laughs> again if they are a if they are a xenos faction higher chance of me playing them <laughs> if they are an imperium faction no yeah, i'm not sure how they're going to fall into the whole scheme of things so yeah I do think they're going to have trouble going through the warp storm of the Demon Codex, though. That this sounds like a really fun system. Yeah, I'm curious to see how this because the old one was uh, kind of pain in the butt, to be honest with you. But I think that's when uh, during that phase of game design, everything was random and fun and roll dice and see what happens to your RB. I'm like, really? So all I remember specifically was uh, there's a chance you could roll the army wide. Everything got a plus one to their invul save, but if you rolled the same opposite number. It was minus one to your invul save army wide, and it always happened at the most inopportune time. Yeah, it, if you're talking about the warp storm from Warhammer Fantasy, then yeah, that's a. If you rolled a twelve, you got plus one to your warp to your um, ward save. If you rolled a two, you got minus one, and then sprinkled throughout was like god specific rules. Yeah, that would damage anything that wasn't in combat of a certain keyword and all the a whole bunch of dice rolls that didn't need to happen yeah, yeah. and it was always a lot of just you just rolled you went oh no doesn't apply here you know and i want to say though the 40k version i think it was a a three and a 11 or maybe even a four to 10 on that table so it happened more often and then two and 12 mm-hmm. which made it you know kind of palpable where you're like yeah we loved that the plus one nope but got the minus one ah, not now but um i don't remember the rest of it but those are the ones because everything else you said was god specific so unless that unit was or if you didn't have that god in, in play but this was way back when when they had the the fate crusher list was the uh top uh list in the competitive scene yeah being over this one the fact that they go you get it's kind of like the strands of fate dice from Eldar, where your bonus done depends on the die face, or it might be something like thousand no thousand suns. I'm thinking of um, AOS Disciple of Zinch, where you roll your fate dice and you hang on to all of them, and you can use them to fill in things and stuff like that. Mm. I think that's how. It works. But you get a point for every four plus you roll at. I believe it might be at the start of your command phase. That would make sense. I'm not sure if that's what it actually said or not, but something to that effect. Uh, yeah, no, nowhere in the article. I don't think it actually specifies. It says until you, uh, you'll never quite know how much magical mojo you'll have at your command until the turn begins. 
So I'm going to assume it's the command phase. Uh, probably. That'd make the most sense for this kind of mechanic. And it could be potentially at the actual start of the battle round. So like how Chaos Knight Dread changes from battle round to battle round. And it doesn't matter who goes first. Um, Yeah. It could very well be that, and it looks like it's pretty averagely costed across the table, except for a few really special ones, like the the, the god-specific ones are more expensive. Like, you pay four points to give all of your corn demons an extra attack for basically nothing. Mm-hmm. What I'm trying to figure out is, can you save unused points from turn to turn? I think that would be something that would be okay, because of the fact that if you roll your dice and you don't get a lot of points and they go away, then, okay, you never really use them anyway because it, as they reference some um, epidemia the yeah tally of models destroys just like you used to and if you have seven or more tallies you get an addition so like if your nurgle units kill seven or more enemy model in a turn you get an extra warp storm yeah it was kind of a neat little way they, they added him to the the system so yeah that'd be overall now it's be interesting i think it sounds a little simpler than the previous system Trying to think, like I know the corn demonkin. I think you couldn't keep any change. Like you could let it build up turn after turn. But let's say you have seven points and you want to build it on. You spent like points on two three point stratagems. You still lose that seventh point somehow. I remember that being some a thing. So yeah, that's actually if I remember correctly from AOS. That is actually still a thing in the Blades of Corn army, where if you build up your blood tithe, it's say you buy it in one go, anything like right. I do miss that codex. I know it was like universally like just groaned upon. It was kind of like the final straw for 7th edition, and it was like, you know, there's actually some really cool That's stuff The only there. problem with the so. Corn Demon fact that they never any of those ancient Slanesh. Oh, yeah. 7th edition was filled with all kinds of stuff like that. Like There was a separate codex for Homoculus Covens. Oh, was there a witch one? Witch cult coming out? Nope. Cabal one coming out? Nope. Yeah. Three other demon codices? Nope. <laughs> it's just well, weird. I mean, <laughs> I mean, at that point, it's like, you could argue that they did the Corn Demon Kin book because of the fact that Thousand Sons is essentially oh, Zeke's demon that. kin. Yeah, I, I'm just saying, like, you could rationalize for them doing it now, but, I mean, that's neither here nor there. I didn't play in some, so. Yeah, didn't miss much. Hey everyone, Eric from the Exterminatus Podcast to tell you about the Smite Club Open. That's right, coming up this September 10th and 11th at the Bellbank Park Fieldhouse in Mesa, Arizona. 128 players. We got six rounds, a ton of venues all around the particular area. To buy your tickets, you can get them at smiteclub40k.com backslash store. That's smiteclub40k.com backslash store. Tickets right now are $60, but if you wait uh, beyond August 10th, they do go back up to $70. So get your tickets now. If you've been to our Scorched Earth Open, expect even more from this particular event. Once again, Smite Club Open, September 10th and 11th. Hope to see you there. Are you a gamer that has more bare plastic than you have time to paint? Do paintbrushes spontaneously combust when you hold them? If either of these is true, contact White Crow Studios and get your models painted by a college-trained professional painter. You can contact Bo at whitecrow.commissions at gmail.com and view his previously painted models at White Crow Studios on Facebook. 
there has been some yeah. great games going on so with this current edition and the biggest one so far was we'll talk about the triumphant return of the wtc they've had uh the last two have been at least maybe in the last three have been a casualty to COVID 19. so finally the uh, top players from around the world representing their nation uh i have uh, descended upon belgium of all places this year to play some 40k and the name of god and country yep so out of all 28 teams that showed up the top five are exactly in this order of england in fifth place with a whopping record of four and two then usa who is four two and one is how you would read that because they have two technical draws before. correct uh then germany with five one and one poland who was also five one and one and then australia the crazy australian juice doing something to pull out with a whopping six one and oh yeah it's their first win for australia so a huge congratulations they've always been a contender and uh, really nice to see them uh do well. So the Australian team is uh, Eric Lathoris, um, Simon Jakovic, I po- Simon, I apologize if I mispronounced that, Matthew Jackson, Christopher Wright, Jeremy Martino, Liam Hackett, and Matt Marasoli, who are just all staples of the uh, scene down under and how they perform there. Um, we, we have Looking at our download totals, we have quite a few uh, listeners from the United States. So let's take a look at Team USA. <laughs> yeah, so Team USA. Yeah, I got it for you. Yeah, had to open up the link there. There's a whole bunch of people. <laughs> yep. There we go. So interesting, right off the bat, Sean Naden. So there's been a Sean Naden side sighting. Uh, first time he's we've seen him in competitive play since ninth dropped. So really good to see him. Brandon Grant, another one who's been uh, spending most of his time on the side of a milk carton. He's also been cited playing in Depta Sororitas. Uh, Richard Siegler playing in Skitari. John Lennon playing Custodes. Anthony Vanella playing Tyranids. Mark Perry playing Necrons. Jack Harpster playing Tau. And Brad Chester playing El- uh, Eldari. So. I don't know where I don't know where Mark Perry is because this is Mork Perry. Mark Perry. <laughs> no, it, it's a lot of these names. Obviously, um, most of us would recognize them as Art of War participant, uh, except for Naden Grant, and yeah, just those two are on, not on the Art of War team. It's still great to see that they did so well. All right, John Custo's list. What'd you do? This is just me being personal. We can continue checking okay. out the So <laughs> just kind of a quick rundown of the how it all came down. So I'm not sure how they do which team plays which team in terms of scheduling there, what kind of pairings they did. Because there was kind of one of those unfortunate pairings where Team Germany and Team Poland met in the early round. So I'll see the round two or two and three round three. I uh, don't have it handy here without switching screens. And those are perennial favorites. Uh, I think Germany and Poland have won more championships than the rest of the field combined. So interesting that they played each other very early on and uh, kind of set each other uh, set one of the top teams behind with a loss right off the bat. Other big upset, and uh, I guess we are an American podcast, but I had to be, I was rather stunned that Team USA not only beat England, but almost by a two to one score and uh, team England was stacked. You've got Josh Roberts playing blood angels, Matt Robertson playing Tyranids. We've been talking about Matt's been in the top 10 of the ITC all season long. 
Manny Chima with Sororitas. Uh, James Ramsey with Necrons. Alex Harrison uh, with Imperial Knights. Alex Petford with Knights Renegades. Mike Porter with Eldari, another one who's been in and out of the top 10. And Anthony Chu with um, Tau Empire. I mean, it was just shocked to see them. They, they dropped a game there, but they ended up playing uh, uh, Germany later in the tournament, and they ended up being their second loss. So I think this guy kind of one upset, then kind of got off the apple cart, but they were able to still pull out a top five finish. But that is a stacked team. I kind of expected them to do a, a little better than that. And I'm assuming that was in round four because I was having trouble loading the pairings on my end because I'm I'm not able to see it, who played who just from the Yeah, let me get that up for you while we're talking. And also a uh, quick shout out to uh, Team Canada, our, our friend Scary, a uh, friend of the show. Mm-hmm. Uh they finished ninth, which was, I believe, their best showing to date. So, yep, they did in fact do that, and with a nice average record of four and three, it's all people can really hope for. And I think Scarry's record at the end of the event was something like, like his personal record was something like a five-two or something. I'll like look that. it up. Yeah. Oh my gosh, just notice poor. Uh, in case you're wondering, the wooden spoon country was Latvia, and it started off bad. Their opening round, they lost to Netherlands, 144 to 16. <laughs> just not good. Yeah, I, I don't even know where Latvia is on the map, but just looking, all of these scores collectively are scores that you would see from losing records in normal 40k games yeah. that, that's Basically rough I feel yeah. them. Actually, ah, okay East. but otherwise yeah no wtc is probably one of the premier events if you can ever catch um footage of it if they ever do it then yeah like it's probably a great thing to watch because seeing eight time 28 people showing up to play 40k is astounding yeah it's pretty amazing and then seeing some luckily uh, actually a few pictures i have seen on social media from various players um luckily it was a pretty good turnout looking nice that's one thing the last few have been plagued by poor facilities so um so nice to see that it looks like that's finally behind them so here we are here i believe it was round three round three at usa beat up on latvia and uh england beating italy but uh, Germany versus Spain. Spain also making a name for themselves. One thing that's just bizarre is uh, Spain is like the most dominant country in kill teams. It's just like, I don't know why. I was trying to edu- yeah. <laughs> educate myself yeah. on a kill team podcast that I was listening to them talk about the Spanish team. So I'm just like, what? What, what is this? I, I guess they just try to maximize the amount of space that they can play and kill team allows for that. I, I guess. guess so. I think kill team's a bad game. I actually enjoy it, but just was odd okay anyway uh yeah so usa beat england 103 to 57 so almost doubled up their scores and um poland beat germany in the same round so that was one of those pretty much round four pretty much decided everything and then moving further uh i believe it was round seven uh team poland uh had a chance to take on australia and just came up short uh, losing 92-68, which pretty much assured the um, Australians a title. But interesting enough, USA also beat up uh, a huge upset, 83-77 over Germany, which was, that's just astounding here. And um, But prior to that, in round six, um, Team USA, I believe, we get that right here. Like other podcasts, accuracy is our... <laughs> 
our our game here. <laughs> was- uh, I mean, they they lost sixty five to someone. I'm going to take a Poland. stab, and right. they ended up. Yeah, I was about to say they ended up playing Poland in round six. That was probably it. Like, if they had beat Poland in round six, then they probably would have ended up finishing in third because the tie in round five. That's what I'm looking for. Okay, was Australia. So they tied the eventual winner on the, the circuit. <laughs> yeah. So if one of those two games had gone in a winning favor for Team USA, they could have propelled them up to at least second, if not potentially winning the entire. And in case you're wondering, let's wait a minute. The score is slightly higher. Yeah. USA had 84 to Australia 76. You have to win by enough points to, to show that significantly. You've beaten your opponent significantly by a, a comfortable margin to count as a win. That's how they do it in WTC. Yep. Differential making funny math. Yep. But it's interesting looking at this, by the way. And uh, so Brandon Grant up losing to Hayden Waldock uh, by a 12 to 8 score. And these are all based on a 20 point system that they use. It used to be very prominent in Europe. Uh, Richard Siegler took a loss to Simon Kojakovic. But then Sean Maiden. Uh, 20 nothing win versus Matthew Jackson. Uh, Brad Chester took a loss against Eric Lathoris, but kept it close at 12-8. John Lennon then um, wiped up Jeremy Martino, 19-1. Liam Hackett returned the favor on Anthony Vanella, winning 19-1. Christopher Wright beat up on Mark and or Mork Perry, 18-2. And then Jack Harpster beat Matt Morisoli, 19-1. So there's some really lopsided games there and some really close ones. And so, yeah, it's a matter of just had any of those close ones moved the needle two or three spots to left or the right. Could have been a very interesting different outcome. Yep. So who knows? Maybe for WTC, one of our top contenders for Smite Club. Who knows? Might get recruited. We never know. We'll see. (laughs) Always looking ahead. Uh, Yeah. Also, don't don't be afraid to reach out. And because uh, uh, United States has a, a very liberal system in terms of uh, basically the team captain chooses the team. So also don't be afraid of the price tag. If you plan on going, it doesn't exist. Just 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 save up and pay yeah, for it. Exactly. <laughs> oh my God. <laughs> All right. Yes, I think we can hop on just over to England real quick for the St. Albans. Union. Absolutely. So what's our top five look like there? Well, in fifth place, we have. Jack Downing with Dark Angels. We have Dom Maidlow in fourth place with Drukari. Then third place, we have Polly Wallace with also Drukari. We have Steven Box finishing just shy with Blood Angels, just like Sanguinius against the eventual winner of Lewis Fitzsimmons with Chaos Base. So you definitely want to take a look at this uh, Chaos Base friends list. But before you go, whoa, what's up with all the Drukari? Uh, Polly Wallace and Dom Maidlow are both on the uh, Real Space Raiders podcast. So they eat, live, and breathe Drukari <laughs> every week. So that's probably why they did so well. So congratulations, guys. But a uh, Lewis yep. Fitzsimmons list um, is quite interesting. Yep. So it is a Creations of Bile. So the little um sub faction for Fabius by himself who is kind of emperor's chosen but not emperor so he has a winged demon prince well a slanesh demon prince two lords two lords discordant uh blah 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 also marker slanesh some cultists a cult a cursed cultist so new one then some regular cultists then regular two units of regular legionnaires 
Both of them are Mark of Corn, so that's probably something to do with the Stratagem or some kind of Chaos Trait. And then a Brick of Chosen with Mark of Slanesh. Got a whole bunch of Bolt Guns and a single Combi Melton. A Master of Executioners with Mark of Slanesh. Some Possessed. A 8-man unit of Mark of Corn Slanesh. Chaos Biker, and then Abaddon. <laughs> it's almost as if Horus was there. Almost. I'm trying to look, look up with those, because the Chosen have two things I've not seen before, and that's the, uh, uh, of course, I just turned the page, and I can't remember what it is. The Black... Oh, yeah. So, the, the Black Rune of Damnation is actually a relic that has come up before. Here it is. And, yeah, it's a really specific... I just found, yeah, it can be given to a cultist and you, so it makes the Chona, makes the chosen minus one to wound. And it also gives them an aura ability of if you're within 18 inches, if, if you roll any doubles, you take perils. Like it's a pretty simple thing. Okay. Then I'm trying to think what that other, I had they have there is the trophies of the yep. long war. Is that a relic as well? Or is that a, like a war? Trait? No trophies of the long war is the stratagem to be able to give the champ of the unit a relic. Ah, got it. I'm like, what is this nonsense? Try to figure this out. <laughs> yep. Luckily I had my, my codex right next to me so I could find it because <laughs> I've had to look it up enough times to know exactly what it is and why it exists on not a character. Exactly. <laughs> so, it is definitely a, a very fast army. I'm not super creations of Vile yet, because I have had no... Because they're a lot smaller than the normal legions. I've actually been toying with that. They, um, it's no surprise you, but it's that you would take the Lord Discordance with them. But I was really surprised not to see more um, War Machines with their you know, more uh, Demon, Demon Engines. Excuse me. And um, that'd be pull up Nations of Bile. Here we go. Add one to the move characteristics, so it's already goes from fast to faster. And add one to the strength characteristics of all models with this trait. And each time a model with this trait is destroyed by a melee attack, if that model has not fought, do not remove the model. Destroyed model can fight after the attacking model's unit has finished making attacks and is removed from play. When making attacks, if any of the units uh, destroyed suffers damage for purpose of determining that characteristic, its profile use, the destroyed model is considered to have one wound remaining. So it makes them fight on bottom bracket. So I believe it might actually factor in secondary that they have because I started reading it. And it's the specimens for the spider. At the end of the battle round for each of the following that apply, you score three victory points if one or more character or monster units was destroyed by a melee attack of Creations of Vile, or you score two points if one or more units that isn't a character monster is killed by a melee attack by a Creations of Vile unit. And at the end of the battle round, if one or more loyal marines, Grey Knights, um, Grey Knights or other Chaos Marines, because it goes after Heretic, was destroyed by an attack by Creations of Bile, score an additional victory point. So you can technically score up to seven, because you can score three for killing a character or a monster, you score two for killing anything that isn't one of them, and then you score an additional if you're going up against Loyal Marines, Grey Knights, or other Chaos Space wow. That's pretty brutal. Okay. Yeah, that's a, that's a really easy to flag secondary you just look at your opponent and go all right you have these things i'm gonna take that thanks but it's a pretty easy also secondary because that's what you'd be doing anyway you know you're trying to there's not a lot of shooting in this list so yeah but definitely congrats to luis 
because I think this is the first time we've seen Chaos Space Marines actually be on top because everyone was so worried about them and then they just never did anything. Correct. That's one reason why I wanted to talk about this particular event. So I was like, interest. This Chaos Marines. <laughs> but we can hop on over from there all the way across the ocean, I think, for that Wharf of the Horde. I forget where it was. Yeah, it was. Yeah, it's part of the East Coast. Um network there their little uh, regional tournament and they've been holding a lot of events i think it's like the pittsburgh area uh, four hour four hours pennsylvania <laughs> yeah yep easy enough <laughs> so yeah uh garopolis yep okay what's our top five look like there all right our top five there is mike norton with emperor's children we have john saucier with gene Steeler cult we have eric glasgow with necrons <gasps> not in first place how dare he <laughs> um then we have T.G. Lanigan with Thousand Sun. And then we have Thomas Ogden still running Tau around the table. Yeah, nice to see him still on top because people are like, oh, Tau have fallen off. I'm like, well, somebody forgot to tell Thomas that. He remains in the top 10 uh, of the ITC. So really curious to see uh, how that continues to grow. But um, mm-hmm. I still, yeah, I saw the Emperor's Children. I was like, I didn't think their codex came out yet, but okay. Yes, um, it's interesting to see emperor's children because i know a lot of people were hyping them up because of the fact that you could take apparently noise marines were actually like nowadays and not just a shooting twice battery like they were in eighth edition maybe even three times if they die but yeah don't do that anymore yeah it, and he doesn't even have noise marines in his list <laughs> yeah he does they're um troop choices oh, for him oh there they are i'm sorry yeah so it's just three units of five so there's small size units but he does have a humongous brick of Chaos Terminators, yes. though. <laughs> Again, with the Black Rune of Damnation. So obviously you throw a minus one to wound buff on anything that's like toughness four or five with a two-up armor set. And you just say, have fun. Yeah, I do like that. You know, he also has Abaddon in there as well. Um, mm-hmm. And then three units of five possessed to add more fun to it. Ooh. And a random spawn. A random spawn. <laughs> Take a quick look at Thomas's army here. See what what was the winning towel look look like these days. Um, crisis bodyguard unit with burst cannons, cyclic ion blasters, and fusion guns. Excuse mm-hmm. me, fusion blaster, cold star battle suit, long strike, uh, corner of ours, another crisis suit. That doesn't look that bad. Yeah, five man with um four. Dr- He's got two of those. Ah, uh, this is what I heard people talking about. He has two sun shark bombers. Nope. It's not a forgeable unit, folks. That's actually a GW model. <laughs> yeah, I think the the bomber that everyone imagined, like the super big one. While we look this over, I'm actually gonna pull it up and see if I can find it. But because I'm just curious at what. Yeah, the super big one's meant to be like your carrying case for your army. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that's true. And they only make those to order, and so when you put your, I think it's three grand. I think they cost. And um, it takes like nine months to get to you. <laughs> yeah. So it is the gigantic one is the Manta. Yeah. There's the Tiger Shark and the Barracuda and the Manta. Those are the three the big Forge yeah. worlds. Yeah. The three Forge. But this is definitely something that I could see Thomas running because when we saw him at Atlantic City, he was running the the 15 Crisis suits because they're still really efficient for what they do. Um, and then was filling it in with all the other kind of Tau good stuff that was out there at the time. And he has long strike, which, I mean, having a railgun to answer big problems is neat. 
the Sun Shark Bombers. I haven't looked at them in a while, but I think we looked them up before, and they have a, like a really neat bomb that you can drop on people, and their guns are kind of okay. Let's take a look. And then, yeah, and then Shadow Sun. So this is a this is probably the best thing that Tau can be right now because they're super efficient. The reroll can apply to the flyers, and the crisis suits are just going to do a lot of work because it's hard to chew through 5, 10, 15 crisis, even if they don't have like shield generators or extra drones. Yep. So right at the back, the Sun Shark uh, has it's a six, tough to 6, 12 wounds, so does, uh, it's going to take a hit. Uh, its stock comes with a marker light, a missile pod, two seeker missiles, and uh, he'd equipped them also with the two interceptor drones. So I'll have to take a look at that. And um, missile pods are pretty standard stuff. Seeker missiles. Um, let me hear it is. Because he ended up switching all of the guns for ion rifles. Okay. And so he has two missile pods two, and four ion rifles. And it comes with pulse bobs. Here we go. Once per turn, after this unit's Sunstruck Bomber has moved in your movement phase, you can select a one unit. And it moved across, roll 66. That's six D6 dice, not 66 dice. For each vehicle or monster unit in the, that unit, or roll one D6 for each model in that unit to a maximum of 10. On a four plus, that unit suffers a mortal wound. Yeah, it's official. I have the worst bomber in the entire game. <laughs> I drop it once, and then I have to figure out what to do with the plate all day. These things drop once per turn? Are you kidding? <laughs> hey, I'm pretty sure your bomber is still better than my Ares gunship. I will take that challenge to the Ares gunship. It's a... Well, you you win that one because I don't. I, I, I'd argue it's a tie because Eric would forget the plane. Good point. <laughs> but yes, congrats to Thomas, though. He is, a, I haven't chatted with him personally, but Dan got to play him. And also he was the one that had the really nice gentlemanly thing of letting his opponent play because his opponent was late for the round because he got the times mixed up and stuff. So Thomas is just a generally nice guy. And we do deserve to have that are willing to do that, like like Thomas did, kind of running around. All right. So the Infernus firebombs on the Ares gunship. Once per turn, after the bearer has moved, you can select one point on the battlefield the bearer moved across. Roll 1d6 for each unit within six inches, subtracting one if that model is a non-vehicle or non-monster character. On a four plus, it suffers d3 mortal wounds. That still sounds better. Yeah. I will, and just for uh, the, you can go ahead and vote on our webpage. <laughs> Here we go. Void, Void Raven Bomber, listen to this crap. <laughs> Once per battle, <laughs> you're in the movement phase. After the bear made a normal move or advances, you can select one point on the battlefield. Roll d d6 for every unit within six inches. Subtract one if it's a non-vehicle, non-monster character. On a four plus, they suffer d6 mortal wounds. Again, once per battle. <laughs> Boo. <laughs> it, it is once per battle. But also, tell me how much your plane costs, Eric. I'm going to just turn the wave card. And the Void Raven without missiles is 175. To give you an idea, you could almost get three Void Ravens for the price of a single, because the Ares is 400 points. How much is this? I'm go back to How much is the Sun Shark now? <laughs> you got me wondering. <laughs> <laughs> but either way, it is the Sun Shark is oh, I close that one. I got but, it. Right. <laughs> so but overall it is definitely refreshing to see that 
as much as I don't it's like cheaper. now. <laughs> it's one sixty-five. <laughs> All right, we can both be exceptionally mad, but uh, oh boy, Ray, we got Eric seething. This is going to be a wonderful <laughs> podcast episode, isn't it? <laughs> we get ten percent more downloads when I seethe. <laughs> but yeah that i think that's all of the events that we had for tonight those are the ones we want to cover in depth as a quick shout out we did not forget about the Leeds gt it was a seven rounder it was a huge turnout and the key note uh the winner of the event is none other than david gaylord so while he was uh mucking it up there in Leeds, manny chima uh was at the wtc so i'll be curious to see how that affects the uh ITC and standings for this week. And from our uh, podcast hosting services, we find out that uh, most of you like drop off right before we get to the final standings. So you might want to stay for the end this time. Yep. And also just a quick advertisement. We still have tickets available for the Smite Club Open on September 10th and 11th. And the ticket prices are going up soon. Actually, I think by the time that this episode comes out, they will already be seventy dollars ticket. Is that is correct? They're going up to. Yep. By the plausible plane tickets available, fantastic venue, not only for gameplay but also for restaurants and hotels for those of you from coming out of town. Uh, really looking forward to this. We are ready to go. We have uh, a ton of terrain still for uh, the Scorched Earth Open, uh, ready to go. So, and uh, we also have a few other events. Uh, a Age of Sigmar, as well as um, Marvel uh, Crisis Protocol event going on at the same t- same venue. So, yep, it's going to be a wonderful. Matter of fact, we just sold four more tickets, so that should put us well into the mid sixties for attendance. So, this is going to be a pretty large event. Indeed, it will. You'll actually be able to see most, if not oh. all, of us there. Maybe Ray, depending on his oh, work schedule. We'll all be there. <laughs> In fact, I'm currently cool. on a quest to actually have my army fully painted in time. Yes, Ray, you should show photos of your progress like I do. Although I'm not playing my Chaos Knights <laughs> at the time, I'm playing my Custodes. But other than that... Hey listeners, this is Raymond with the Extreme Honest Podcast here to talk to you about KR cases. If you're like me, and you're constantly looking for that better way to store your armies, then look no further than KR cases. That's right, this is the foam company known for their soft blue foam in the cardboard cases. They're a great way to mix and match whenever you're heading out for that next tournament. You can just swap out those boxes and no need to worry about switching the foam in and out. They're sturdy. The boxes help protect your models and if you when you order, they come fast. The order is right and for a better price than the other guy. So go to krcases.com, and when you place your order, be sure to mention the Extermination Podcast. So with the top 10 of the ITC, I don't think there's been much shuffling there, Eric. I think maybe it's just been points adjustments. Uh, a couple points adjustments, but there has been... Come on, computer, it's not reacting here. Um, a couple guys have dropped, one or two dropped out, as a couple have moved their way back in. So, but if we look at the, the ones that dropped out are just, just in the wings. But your top 10 looks something like this. In 10th place, Matt Robertson, who was on Team England for the WTC. Brenton Weiss drops down a little bit to 9th place. Brad Chester was on Team USA. In 7th, Anthony Vanilla, also on Team USA. In 6th, Ines Wilson, who was on Team... I was pretty sure it was Scotland. I'd have to double check there. Um... Uh, he's in sixth place. Uh, fifth place, Thomas Ogden, who we talked about earlier. Jack Harpster was also on Team USA in fourth. 
Manny Chima on Team England in second. Vic Vijay, he didn't play this weekend. He wasn't in the WTC. He's just a forgotten man. Drops to second place, leaving David Gaylard to jump into the top spot with 1,383 points. Uh, still, uh, still pretty wide open. Um, you look at first place all the way down, it's only about 150 points between Matt Robertson and David Gaylard. So there's still quite a bit of room still for people to catch up. And also interesting, well, if you see our expanded uh, standings later in the week on our Facebook page, you'll also see uh, how many players are making taking advantage of Nephilim missions and making a much bigger impact as maybe people who are resting on their laurels from the earlier Nahwan season. Yeah, it is definitely something that with the Nephilim missions being drastically different in the command point resource, people have to play. So if you can be more durable than your opponent for one or two turns, you can potentially farm up almost like Games Workshop planned it this way, where you guys jab at each other for one or two, and whoever can do the big combo first if it works it works you might be able to win the game but if you do your big combo and it flops well your opponent's now going to have enough cp to come back at you and hit you in the face yeah i've definitely changed my army around um to reflect some of that just a little more look at it somewhat undurability but other learning just different ways to be durable so i've been definitely focusing on that but also recognizing that little more redundancy so when i lose one or two key units i'm not like done for the game uh, especially speaking towards the knight and uh, tyranid meta right now need a lot of big guns to take down those big bugs so yeah speaking of big bugs like i mentioned yeah you got punched in the today, face my <laughs> yeah my face really really hurts <laughs> i had a resounding blowout of losing 13 to 81 <laughs> Gotta have one of those games once in a while. Helps you reflect. <laughs> yeah, it. to be honest, the night list that I brought was super efficient. It was what I had relatively available built. It was four big knights. One of them was a tyrant, and I did not go first. Hmm. Uh, I almost lost a tyrant on my first turn. That's 28 wounds, by the way. How was he getting to you so quick? Um, It was stuff like heavy venom cannons and stuff. Really? Okay. Just Yeah, just just range we we rolled up the scouring so we had 18 inch deployment zones so he could and he got to pick t- terrain and put down the first so i only had one route through the table to go to because he optimized his terrain placement and didn't let me do anything also did you know spore mines are really really <laughs> really annoying? yes yes they are yeah i i lost essentially a night and a half who just <laughs> moved blocking i did not feel happy about it but I knew it was the way that he was going to win the game. And he knew that if I went first, I had set up my tyrant in a way that I could move forward his eight inches and go, yeah, my volcano cannon is going into that spore assist. <laughs> I couldn't see the pyrovores, but by golly, I was going to blow up that spore assist. <laughs> but alas, you went second. Yeah, and I'm not exactly mad about it. It's my first full size game with the army, so training wheels are needed but we have a it was actually with our co-captain matt ball so i have a another's game scheduled with him next week and by then i should have the crater built so that way i can actually play the two seven list idea that i have and be a little behind the ball since everyone in their their um throne mechanicum mother are playing the 
Abaddon and Cypher with all of the war dogs. And Ray, what are you working on for your list for Spike Club Open? Uh, I've been painting up currently some Ophidians, a Locust Heavy Destroyer, and the first five of a 20-man squad of warriors. Bon chug in your robot, that's what you're supposed to do. <laughs> we also have our local league starting up. Is it this Friday or next Friday? I'm trying to remember. Yes, really? it I is it actually this week. Friday. Okay. Nope, it is this. So for you Arizona listeners that have not heard of this yet, there is an Arizona State League that has multiple stores participating. Most of them happen to be out in the West Valley, but we do have some East Valley stores currently participating, and these are all of them that currently are. We have Imperial Outpost, we have Old World Games, we have Tabletop Wargamer, we have Gamers Guild, and this we do have Games U. And maybe Funkatronic Rex participating as well. And all you have to do is play at least one game for every week of the league season. And you get to go to a store championship. And then if you are one of the top placing players from that for your store, you get sent to play at the state championship where you write your name on a super awesome looking Arizona flag painted skull. Pretty neat. Big shout out to Mark Whitaker for running the league. It's a great way to get some, get a lot of games in. Uh, The key thing is it's very much like a tournament in that uh, after your second game, your list is frozen. So it's, it's very much that you're stuck with the same list as you go through. But uh, I tell you, is a huge learning tool to be able to get as many games as you can with the same list. And then you're just like, okay, uh, these are making informed choices about what changes to make. And that is actually out of date information there, Eric. We have, yeah, I am one of the, I am the arbitrator for Games U this time around. And we did agree to change that. So your list is not locked until week seven of so you are pending any kind of feqs and balance changes you are allowed to change your list until week seven to whatever you want or whatever you need to ebb and flow with the updates but your faction is locked so once you play your first game for the league that is the faction that you are stuck so like for instance i'll be doing chaos knights for my first set of training wheels and from there i can change the list however i want as need be until it gets too close to the end interesting okay I was not aware of that change, but I'm still kind of sticking to what I've pretty close to an idea that I want to try. And the tricky part is getting the models in time. So now that I have, I thought I had another weekend. I don't. I'll see if I can put that together quickly. So, hmm. all right. But yes, otherwise, it is a great thing to participate because you can organize games with anyone in the league from any store and you can play your game whenever you would like as long as you try to stay one game at least every week if you fall behind it's not a big deal you can easily still make up the game so yeah it is a great thing for the arizona players to try and do i would hope that most of you would try to come out and participate at least in one season to see if you like it or not and there is a small entry fee at each of the stores and each of those each of those is dictated by the store so if you go to any of the stores that i listed earlier you can ask them about the league they should have a price point for you and we also have league discord that you can go into to answer any question to ask any questions and usually get a pretty rapid answer from any of the admins that are in there you go and the other nice thing is that i'll add to it's mentioned there's a tournament at the end of the league which then adds more points to our state championship the rattler cup and of course the big event uh, before the 
end of the year will be a Swank Club Open. So if you're in the hunt for the Rattler Cup, uh, get your ticket and get there because that's be a great opportunity for points for that particular event as well. Yep, indeed. So that's pretty much it for our show this week. As I mentioned later in the week, check out our Facebook page for the expanded ITC standings. In the meantime, my name's Eric. I'm Robert. And thank you for listening to the Exterminatus Podcast. Yeah.